What is up, Cubs fans, and welcome to True Blue Cubs. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. Welcome to the podcast. If you've not listened to before, the nice thing about this podcast is you could go back to previous episodes and still get a kick out of them, still get some cool Cubs information, still get some hot takes, even if they're a few weeks old. Trust me on that. I try to make every episode have at least a chunk of it that's a little bit what they call evergreen in the industry, meaning it lasts. You know what I mean? A lot of times with sports podcasts, it's like, are you going to go back to listen to week two of an NFL podcast when you started listening to that podcast during week 13? Probably not. So that's why I like to try to attack different aspects of the game. Like in today's episode, here's what I've got on the docket for you. Nico Horner was in the two hole yesterday. Let me give you some of my opinions about whether or not Nico Horner should be a number two hitter going forward for the Chicago Cubs. And if I don't like him there, where do I like him? We're also going to talk about the Cubs' latest pickup, a guy the Cleveland Guardians just scrapped. They dropped him off in an alley somewhere, didn't even put him in the can. You know what they did? They just said, you know what? Let's just, let's, they littered him is what they did. And that player is Framil Reyes. I'm just going to call him Reyes for now on because I'm not 100% positive how to pronounce that first name i've heard the tv booth say frammel have i sounded like they're kind of saying i've heard my guy say i uh, pat hughes say friend meal friend meal his nickname is the franimal though that's for for fact so maybe i'll just call him that anyway we're going to talk about him and also we're going to revisit the darvish trade i'm doing that because it's inspired by a tweet from uh dom frederick the director of morale for the chicago cubs a very popular, sometimes controversial Twitter follow uh, amongst Cubs Twitter. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of him if you're listening to this podcast. If not, follow Dom, D-O-M, all caps, underscore Frederick, the director of morale for the Chicago Cubs. All right. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. I do have a little bit of a sore throat. I think it's just allergies related because I, I literally went out to take out the garbage a little bit ago. Sneezed seven times in a row. Also, you know, it's really weird. I want to tell this. I don't know if this is good for the podcast or not. I want to go throw the garbage out. And as I'm walking back in, there was a, a few houses down the alley. You know, I live in a typical Chicago neighborhood and um, I'm hearing people talking and the guy's voice. I'm like, that sounds like Mike North, who was on Chicago radio for like 30 years or something. <coughs> Excuse me, everybody. I, I don't, I, I, maybe I do have something coming down. I hope not. So, uh, I, I then, yeah, I started sneezing a bunch and I was trying to hear, but like, you can't hear and sneeze at the same time. But I was like, this sounds 100% like Mike North. I peeked my head back out into the alley down where they were. I just saw the back of a head, but I'm like, how many people sound exactly like that? Then I thought, well, Chicago men in their sixties who grew up in this town sound a lot like that. So who knows if, if anyone talks to Mike North, ask him if he was in an alley on the Northwest side of Chicago, uh, Thursday afternoon ish. Cause I'm dying to know if it was him. All right, here's what to talk about. The Cubs took two out of three from the Washington Nationals, the Walgreens Nats with the terrible W logo that they stole from the beloved Walgreens Corporation. And uh, yeah, they're not a good team, but there's, and the Cubs, look, the Cubs are what they are. But I have enjoyed watching them since the trade deadline. One, the anxiety of was Wilson and Happy and traded seems to have evaporated. And they play hard. Even when they lose, they seem to be in a lot of these games. They're not the sharpest base running team, though. That's the one thing that still makes me want to bang my head off the desk. But overall, you're like, all right, they're in it. They're, you know, you could see where they could compete and, and do it in the short term. I say short term because, you know, every 
Every person who loves rebuilds out there is like, no, you got to suck for seven years before you can spend on free agents. You don't even, you don't even look at free agents until you have a hundred minor league prospects all ranked in the top 100. That's right. We must be a number one ranked prospect organization. We need to be farting out prospects. We need to eat, sleep, and shit high prospect rankings before we can. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm exaggerating slightly, but that's how some of you sound. Okay. And the rest of us are like, yeah. Yeah, you need a strong minor league system. You need a strong developmental machine as your base. But if you're also $70 million under their luxury tax and you charge the highest ticket prices in baseball, go buy me some players. Huh? Obviously, I'm not telling you to buy guys who are going to block other guys. That's That was the stupid mistakes other teams had made in the past. The Cubs are outfield rich. I don't want to see them giving some outfielder a $200 million deal. That would be stupid. Now, a shortstop, like we one of which we have in this upcoming free agent class, a Trey Turner, a Carlos Correa, those guys, who else? I'm missing two other people too. Uh, Xavier Bogarts, or Xander Bogarts, I should say, and uh, Dansby Swanson. Sounds like a TV dinner. Don't want him. He's ranked number four on that list. Great defender, though. He's probably the best defensive guy of that group. Any one of those guys can move to third or second. So there, there you go. There's flexibility. There's a reason in the draft teams take center fielders and shortstops because you can move them around because they're usually the most athletic. Very rarely does a team draft a shortstop and then they're like, well, you know, I, I guess we can't move him to second base. He's a shortstop. No, they go, yeah, you could easily go to second. You could handle it. If you're a stud in center, it depends on the arm though, obviously. If there's a lot of center fielders that cover a massive amount of ground, but they got those little noodle arms. Juan Pierre is a great example. That guy, that guy couldn't uh, hit the cutoff man if he was sitting next to him, you know? Good range, though. I mean, you better be range. If you have no arm, you have to have range. There's certain things in sports that always go without saying, and they crack me up when people say them anyway. I can't remember they were talking about this one guy. I was like, well, he was a great defensive player. And I'm like, well, yeah, he better have been. He was a lifetime 230 hitter. If you can't hit or field, you don't have a job. So, yeah, you don't need to highlight the defensive skills of a guy who could barely hit i understand that there's there have to they have to have some kind of value they're not just you know driving everyone to the airport making best friends although in some cases you must think that right don't we all have that one player where you're like this guy must have photographic evidence of the general manager doing something naughty for years you know who that was for the cubs forever it was nafi perez Navy Perez was a guy where I'm like, why is this guy batting two? And this is where I'm going to do a transition and Nico Horner hitting the two hole yesterday. See, that's called being a professional. But Navy Perez, for, I mean, from like 2005 till 06, there's two years where this guy, not only should he not have even been in the sport, he was batting second, second, mind you. And it was, it was terrible um, to the point where you were like, okay, there's got to be something going on there. Is he... Did he show Dusty Baker some sort of a paternal test where it's like, you are my father? And he thought, oh, God, yeah, let's let's keep this hush hush. You know, I did play some winter ball down in the Dominican back in the day. And eh, here you are. All right. Anyway, let's move on, though. I like to get silly here on the True Blue Cubs podcast. I am a comedian after all. Nico Horner batted second. I saw a lot of fans pumped about that. And I thought to myself, hmm, Nico Horner batting two. Well, he is a 300 hitter. A high contact guy runs well, goes first to third very well. Hmm. Doesn't walk a whole lot, though. 
he's showing signs of being able to split some gaps. The power is better than I thought it was. Like he looks like he could be a 10 home run guy. Hmm, this is interesting. His OPS is going to be in the high 70s, I think, for most of his career, mid seven, you know, 770, 775, because he just doesn't walk a ton in the slugging percentage. Is never going to jump off the page at you. But again, Nico Horner, great hitter, 300 hitter. Love his approach. The balance that the Cubs offense of just a you know the previous core needed. Remember this, everyone. When the Cubs were in first place from about early May through mid-June, a good six-week run in 2021. Remember, there was that combined no-hitter against the, against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And then the next day, the Cubs started an 11-game losing streak after throwing a combined no-hitter. On that day of the combined no-hitter, they were first place in the NL Central. And the offense was very entertaining to watch. They were playing great. They had Brian still. They had Javi. They had Rizzo. They had Contreras. The difference was Nico Horner and then that player named Matt Duffy, Duff, were getting regular at-bats. Duff got hurt. Nico got hurt. And then it went to being a two strikeout heavy team. You need balance. A great offense is like spinning plates. You know, I got into an argument with a guy once because I talked about Schwarber's value. And I say, if you compare his numbers to a right-handed hitters, his Schwarber still has a little more value because he's a lefty. And the guy's like, oh, I'm supposed to care what side of the plate the guy hits from. And I'm like, all right, well, you're, you're two into numbers then. And yes, you should because offensive lineups need balance. A left-handed masher, those are hard to find. And you need those in a league that's predominantly right-handed. You're going to see in a lot of bullpens are predominantly right-handed. Some of the best closers in baseball are right-handed. You're going to want some left-handed thunder in there. So, yeah, all things considered, it depends on the lineup. Now, if, if I'm a team that already has six lefties in it, I'm not going to look out to get a Kyle Schwarber. But if I'm a team that's primarily righties, Kyle Schwarber is extremely valuable. So he's extremely valuable on any offense. I, Overlook the 202 batting average. I think what a lot of modern fans, or not modern so much, but fans who've been fans of the game for a long time, if you've been a baseball fan since the 70s and 80s, even longer than that, and you look at these batting averages, you're thinking, this is crazy. In my day, we called that the Mendoza line. The guy would be embarrassed. Everyone would boom. He'd be laughed out of the lineup. Today's game is different. Pitching is more dominant. There's more Starters go five innings, and then they bring in a guy who throws 99. Like, that's just how it goes now. And because of that, it does make what starting pitchers accomplish less impressive. I'll say that. Sometimes people are victims of their own era. Dylan Cease is a great pitcher. He's on the White Sox. You know, he's a former Cubs prospect, blah, blah, blah. But he's on an incredible run right now. Someone tried to compare it to Jake Arrieta of 2015, and I said, hold it right there. Jake Arrieta finished the 2015 season with 229 innings pitched. Dylan Cease is going to come nowhere near that. He's going to have about 75 innings less pitched. That's a difference. If you're going out there every day thinking I'm only going five or six, you could really air out your fastball. So that, you know, there wasn't this idea to sustain, you know, I think I, I read Sandy Koufax and all these other guys back in the day. Yeah. They threw in the mid nineties, but they knew if there were if some guy who was a scrub was up to bat, they weren't going to burn out their arm on this guy. They knew when to like, all right, I got to pace myself a little bit. What is this guy? You know, a punch and Judy hitter. All right, here, here's a little breaking ball inside. You'll weekly turn it over to my third baseman and then I'll go send the bench and we'll laugh. That's what they would do. So anyway, the point about Nico Horner to the fans out there who are like, yes, put him in the two hole. My response is no, I don't like him in the two hole. Now looking at statistics, he has not batted in the two hole much. He's batted second 
29 plate appearances. And in that, he's only hitting one. It's too small sample size to actually say anything. Like, I'm not really being serious right now, but it's 192, 241 on base. It's it's too small. Forget, forget I haven't mentioned it. But, oh, damn it. Sorry, stupid fan graphs. Um, no, that wasn't fan graphs. That was baseball reference. Real quick, though, fan graphs I like better because I like their articles and they're a better source of information. Although I got that annoying ad on Baseball Reference, Baseball Reference's website is easier and better to navigate. Just throwing that out there. Here's why I don't like Nico in the two-hole. Doesn't get on base enough. He just does, he doesn't walk enough. He doesn't work the count enough. And that's fine. I don't want him to be that guy. I don't. I want him to be a guy who bats fifth or sixth and comes up and drives in runs. Nico seems to be a clutch guy. He's a great fastball hitter. And when runners are on base, pitchers tend to throw more fastballs. So I want him in an RBI spot, even though he is not your typical home run hitter. RB, you know, I could see him being a guy, again, 10 to 12 home runs a year, but he could drive in 75 to 80 runs. There's been players throughout baseball's history who have been great in that role. Also, we're smarter in baseball now. We know how important it is to have high contact guys after your big boppers. So I like him betting fifth or sixth. The idea that, in the past, how many times did the Cubs have a runner on third base, nobody out or one out, and it was strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. The pitcher strikes out the side. We leave a runner stranded on third. Pathetic, right? When you have more hitters with high contact skills like a Nico Horner, it makes it so that you could bat him. I, I think I think your best contact show is bat fifth. I don't like him leadoff. A lot of people, when we first got Madrigal in the offseason, good, there's our leadoff hitter. And I said, why? And they go, oh, he hits 300. I'm like, yeah, but he gets on base like 320. I mean, he doesn't walk, doesn't work the count. Magical is even worse because he's not the speedster that Nico is. Here's what you really want out of a leadoff hitter. Someone who gets on base a lot, works the count. That way the rest of the team could get a, a look at the pitcher's repertoire. And someone who could go first to third. You don't need a big stolen base guy anymore. This isn't 1987 when everyone's all coked up stealing 60 bases. So... A guy, but you definitely want someone to go first to third because on a single, you want someone in scoring position. You don't want to go station to station to start off your game. Someone who steals bases, of course, is a nice luxury to have. Um, But yeah, I don't... Nico leading off, maybe. I just don't like him in the two-hole. He does hit the ball to the right side incredibly well, which I love because you can do the hit and run with him. So I guess maybe I'm talking myself into it. Depending on who your leadoff hitter is, I could be okay with Nico there. But the way this team is most likely going to be constructed next year, I mean, I'm looking at, I like Morrell in the leadoff spot. I thought he looked really strong there for a little bit. He got his first struggle, which is going to happen. He's adapted, I think, fairly well since then, but they have been keeping him in the back. Let's say he starts the year next year, uh, Christopher Morrell playing third base for the Cubs, leading off. Number two, I like Suzuki. Three Contreras. No, three. I'm hoping we have like a Correa um, or a Turner type. I don't know. It's too early to go down the list, but really Nico Horner batting fifth or sixth. Let him be the guy that drives and runs. He seems to be a two out clutch hitter uh, and just let him do his thing. You don't care if you're five or six hitters up there swinging at the first pitch. So let Nico stay in the back of the lineup where he has more RBI opportunities because he's a guy who at the very worst I could trust to hit a sack fly or hit the ball on the ground hard somewhere to bring in a runner from third base with less than two outs, which is something stressfully enough Cubs players have not been doing a good job of. All right. I went on too long about Nico. Let's talk about Reyes. The Cubs picked him up for nothing. Cleveland cut him last year. He had 30 home runs. He's a heavy strikeout guy. 
So you bet this guy fifth is your DH. I want Nico Horner behind him. You don't want the too many strikeout guys in a row. So bet Nico right there. This guy is a free agent at the end of the year. So he's kind of auditioning for the Cubs. The Cubs had this ad to where it's like, well, let's see what we think. It costs us nothing. And if he becomes the guy he had been, then we're in good shape. He is only 27 years old. 27 is when players typically enter their prime. Um, yeah, he's 27. He just turned 27 a month ago. And look at this. In 2019, he had 37 home runs. In last year, 2021, 30 home runs. So the power is legit, legit good power. And he's been a well above average hitter every year of his career, offensively speaking. Defensively, he's a DH. He shouldn't own a glove. I mean that. I'm going to repeat that. He should not own a glove. But offensively, I, I look, when the move happened, I remember going like, all right, cool. I wasn't like as jazzed as some people. I wasn't negative like some people being like, oh, just picking up more trash. This is a, a move that you do in a rebuilding season. As much as it pains me to say that we are in a rebuilding season because it's clear that we are. We always have been. We should have been honest about that. But it's a move you do. Let him get as many at-bats as possible from now until the end of the season. He seems to be happy here. He was glowing about the atmosphere and how the Cubs are letting him be himself just the other day, I believe, in, in an interview. So, yeah, play him out the rest of the year. The nice thing is if he continues to rake like he has been, I see him, what, he make $4.6 million this past season? You get him at two years, $12 million, I bet. Two years, $10 million even. He might he might sign on that dotted line pretty quickly. I want to give him more than two years, though, because, again, he's coming off a pretty awful season um, with Cleveland, and he's still, he's still a negative war player. It's, he's going to finish the year as a negative war player. I don't see him coming up, hitting that wall to come out of it. But worth a shot, right? have a big 30 to 35 home run bat even you know potentially more uh hitting fifth or sixth in your lineup i really like the way that look looks uh all right so let me wrap it up on this i did tease this revisiting the u darvish trade if i could take the last two minutes here for you i never want these podcasts to go more than 15 or 20 minutes i'm talking very fast right now because i want a lot to say but i do want to thank everyone for listening go back and check out previous episodes if you like check out the show notes maybe it's something you're interested in this is the true blue cubs podcast i'm your host comedian joe kilgallen Chicago native, diehard Cubs fan. All right, you Darvish trade. When that happened to me, I look at that as the moment the rebuild started. So yes, I do say we are in year two of the rebuild. And I remember people being very mad at the, about the trade at the time. Then people relaxed a little bit because a couple of the players, in particular Owen Casey, were looking very good in the deal. Owen Casey and uh, Presidio, Presidio, is that how you say it? They were both super young, 19 and 18 when they acquired. And those two were like the high upside guys that, People were like, all right, these guys could develop into top 100 prospects. The other two dudes are just uh, nowhere to be found. Um, injured and just not showing up on anyone's list of anything. Still too young to write off completely. But at the point where it's like, all right, if Owen Casey is the only guy and he is ranked number 10 in our, he's not a top 100 prospect yet. Again, again still very young. He's now 20 years old, I believe. I like his swing. Upside's there. Oh, the other two players' names were Santana and Mina. M-E-N-A? That's what I'm saying. So it's, again, too early to say washed out. And again, remember, the pandemic kind of pushed everything back. There was no minor league season at all in 2020. So 2021 was their first minor league season. And then this year, you know, there's going to be ups and downs in development for everybody. Um, but if Owen Casey is the only guy that really emerges, this was a bad trade. This was an L for uh, Jed Hoyer. And trading an ace, you don't, you, an L is almost unforgivable. It really is. But I really think there was more to it than 
what we saw at the time. And we didn't quite realize it or let it sink in at the time. If you remember, the trade was, it happened just before uh, New Year's. Like it was yeah, December 29th, 2020 is when that trade went down. Now, I have a theory. Maybe it's a little conspiracy theory. It's just a theory that they had to get the contract off the books before the New Year started. I don't know if it's a tax thing or whatnot, because it really felt like they could have waited on that deal. But the fact that it was December 29th, something told me it's like maybe they had to get it off the books before the new quarter started, right? The new fiscal quarter, right? You got to always watch those books. And it was a, a move in which, yeah, he had three more years, but like 60 million totals, like 20 million per for a guy coming off an awesome year. And he had a very good 2019 as well. Obviously, it was terrible in 2018. So I was like, all right. And by the way, you Darvish was an all-star this past year, everybody. You Darvish is still pitching great. I, I again, they, we need Owen Casey needs to be an everyday player, and the other dude needs to become an everyday player too. Two everyday players have to emerge. One really should be an all star when trading an ace. I mean, there's been trades for aces that have gone down in history where the team that got it, like Chris Sale with the White Sox, the Red Sox are very happy. They got a World Series with Chris Sale. Obviously, hasn't done much since the World Series victory, but any trade you make that nets you a World Series ring, you will never regret as a fan or an organization. The Cubs will never regret trading Torres for Chapman. Why should they? <coughs> Excuse me. I remember the uh, Expos and Indians back in the day. The trade was, was it they, Cliff Lee, Grady Sizemore, and um, Brandon Phillips went up becoming a Reds guy later. He dealt to the Reds. For CC Sabathia, was that it? They traded those three guys to Cleveland, and they got CC. Did the Expos get that? Was that it? I might be wrong on those right now, but it was something insane. Or Bartolo Colon. It's for Bartolo Colon, and it was like, okay, all three of those guys became multiple All Stars, multi-time All Stars. It's incredible. So that's a big L for Jed. Look, I still have faith in Jed. The minor league system, obviously, Fangraphs has us as high as like number four now or number five. There's a lot to like going forward. I think I still have faith in Jed. But I'd feel a lot better if Jed's name was Theo, is my point. Even with Theo's ups and downs, I just feel like, still, that guy, he's got three rings on his fingers. He, he knows how to win. Midas touch. And Jed is the luxury this time around of not staring 100-plus years of failure in your face. I don't think people realize how right we had to be, how right Theo had to be to win a World Series in 2016. He signed a five-year deal. And 2012 was the first season, 2013, 2014, those three rebuilding years. 2015 was a competing year, 197 games. 2016, year five of his first contract with the Cubs, they won the World Series. Uh, A promise was delivered. Theo said, we will win the World Series, and we did. So he had to do everything right, which is why the strategy was to draft as much hitting as possible. Hitting is easier to predict. Pitching often isn't. Some of the best pitching prospects ever talked about, none of us ever heard of, because they tore up their shoulders, arms, and whatnot, or they couldn't get control, all that stuff. Happens a lot. Pitching is way harder to predict. Hitting is still hard to predict, don't get me wrong, but you feel safer. That's why that strategy worked the way it was. We are going to draft young hitting, and we are going to trade slash sign pitching. And it all came together in 2016, and we won a World Series. Now, the second half of that, his second five-year run, there were some roadblocks, some mistakes were made. But clearly the ship has been righted on that end. 
it's one of those things where you don't know an impact until later on. And I'll talk about that on the next episode of the True Blue Cubs podcast. I want to talk about Jason McLeod, the Cubs' former director of player development. A lot of people really speak ill of him. And I don't think they realize how we are still feeling his effects kind of in a positive way. So I'll talk about that. We'll also recap the series in Baltimore and uh, talk more about uh, which Cubs players to look out for because that's really what we're doing right now, right? We're trying to enjoy who we can and who we could uh, plug into our system going forward. Who's going to be part of this next great Cubs team? All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And as always, go Cubs.